Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. feeling after that Pisces full moon I've got to say uh, the emotions that I predicted actually hit me a lot later than on the weekend I was expecting them to come flooding in when the moon was at its fullest Um, they kind of arrived on Wednesday of this week (laughs) so (laughs) I don't know if that has to do with the full moon or not we shall see what I did notice though was that my senses were very heightened over the weekend and I did allude to this in the Pisces full moon forecast um my psychic awareness has increased tenfold. I'm wondering if any of you had experienced that as well. I also noticed that my intuition had been eerily bang on, which is always a good sign. It's funny though, you know, when our intuition is right, sometimes um, instead of celebrating it, it freaks us out a little bit. Well, that's what happens for me. I don't know if that happens for you. So I've just been trying to lean into that. I also found my meditations were a lot deeper under the full moon. Um, I can't say why that is, but I think it has something to do with the energy that the full moon gives us around letting go and surrendering, um, which is so important for meditation and mindset work, is really kind of um, releasing that need to hang on to whether it's thoughts or habits or um, just this need to please other people. We're always hanging on to something. So um, yeah, the letting go and surrendering aspect really allowed me to drop deeper into my meditations, which is always really nice. I also did quite a bit of work around forgiveness in the past week. Um, which I encouraged you guys to do too in the last um, Pisces Full Moon podcast episode. Um, We did a beautiful forgiveness ritual in the Lunar Lover member Full Moon Circle. Um, And I know that so many people in there found that super powerful. It's so um, important that we are checking in. I like to do it monthly with the Full Moon, but regularly... um, with the need to forgive whether it's other people situations and like I mentioned last episode a lot of the time it's ourselves I actually wrote two full pages of things I needed to forgive myself for pretty hard on myself I'll tell you that much the theme of the Pisces full moon was diffusion and specifically the diffusion of one's ego in order to obtain spiritual peace which kind of got me thinking if we collectively as a group as listeners of Luna Lover the podcast, as a nation that is Australia and as the world that is global, everyone listening, if we could collectively obtain spiritual peace, so if we all did our bit to find it, what impact would that have, not only from an energetic perspective, but on a physical real world scale? How would that impact the world? And I'm talking politics, I'm talking 
the environment, climate. I'm talking um, big vibrational feelings like compassion and love. This, this idea of the conscious collective working together to really create and initiate change um, was the reason that I started doing in-person events and the online moon circles that I now run bi-monthly. Um, because meditating and setting intentions as a conscious group really raises the vibrational frequency collectively and it's so powerful when you do it on your own but when you do it in a group oh my god the vibrations are next level you can feel them in the air it's the reason that when you go to a yoga class it's so much um, easier to stay in the practice than when you're doing it at home on your own how many of you tried to do yoga at home on your own and get about 10 minutes in and just that a can't do this (laughs) i'm gonna put some laundry on that's me absolutely guilty um So I was thinking about all of this around the Pisces full moon and then as fate would have it, or perhaps it was a manifestation, a very timely book landed on my desk. A little little bit of a perk of being a published author that also hosts a podcast show. So my publisher sends me books of fellow authors all the time. Um, And a book that arrived during Pisces Full Moon Week was The Portal, How Meditation Can Save the World by Tom Cronin and Jackie Pfeiffer. And this book, honestly was so eye-opening and was exactly about this um, concept of how if we all did our little bit around changing um, our mindset, what impact that could have on a really large scale. The Portal is actually both a book and a soon-to-be-released featured-length documentary. Um, And just how an inconvenient truth shifted our perspective on climate change, the portal takes us to the very core of what's needed for humanity today, meditation. In today's episode, I speak with both Tom and Jackie about their new project and its potential impact. Tom Cronin is the creator of The Stillness Project, a global movement to inspire 1 billion people to meditate daily. So Tom's been doing this work for a while. A former finance broker, Tom had a stress-induced breakdown and came close to ending his life many years ago. After finding the ancient practice of meditation, he healed his life and has gone on to become one of the world's most prominent speakers and teachers in this space. Jackie Pfeiffer is a passionate filmmaker with a commitment to authentic storytelling and a taste for big visions. Production credits include the award-winning feature film Concealed, Better Watch Out, The Oceros Child and Infinity. The Portal is her first feature documentary. If you enjoy this episode or you know someone who would benefit from hearing it, make sure you take a screenshot and share it to your Instagram stories and tag me at Jordana Levine. I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I enjoyed having this conversation with Tom Cronin and Jackie. love to start off with just because I'm curious as well is how how did you guys team up like how did you guys know each other how did this all begin Tom do you want to start sure and um, we'd started the production on a film uh, and it was taking a path that wasn't really going in the direction that we um, were were really feeling like it was the direction we wanted to go in. Jack had come on to be uh, take a particular role in, in the production as a line producer. Um, and so she was on as part of that team. And then what happened was the film, I really had to sort of bring it back to the, the film that um, I was kind of more aligned to and the film that I was more intending to wanting to make. Uh, 
And at that point, we had to remove the director and the writer. And, and, and at that point, we were left with just me and Jack. And I'm like, Jack, you know, you've studied at school, art school. And um, it was really an opportunity where I saw Jack had, had really had a strong vision for the project and had some really great creative ideas to take the vision for that project to a whole other level. And so it just was a natural progression, I felt, for putting Jack into that position to co-write with me and to direct the film. And it just, yeah, it was just a, a really natural fit. It was quite daunting for both of us, I think, but at the same time, it was about, you know, growth and the whole film really is representing that idea of, of pushing yourself and growing into new paradigms and new systems and operating in a bigger, better way. And the, the original project that you were working on, is it like, is it in line with the project that has birthed now, which is the portal or was it something that was, was quite different and has kind of morphed into this? Um, it's a long story, but it, it there, there was an original idea, which was to show the power of meditation through personal story. Yeah. Um, that's really where we did arrive at in the end. It just took its long detour um, where it started to go down this very different path. And so what um, needed to happen and what seemed to happen through natural evolution is that it, it realigned itself back to what it was meant to be. And, and more, it sort of evolved beyond that to the next level, which is because the world that we started seven years ago is very different to the world we're in now. You know, And this was kind of pre-AI and pre the involvement of tech in spiritual development, you know, and so it sort of morphed and evolved and Jack played a big part in, in taking it to that sort of next level being yeah. where, where we're going to be down in the future as opposed to where were we in the past. Okay. I guess this happens a lot with movie making, right? And Jack, you'd know this is it's such a long process, like a lot longer than just sitting down and writing a book that so much can happen, especially with documentary making, I'm sure so much can happen in the time that you're making it and things start to change and you either have to change direction and, and catch up and add new stuff in, or you just continue with the message. Is that kind of what was going on with this film from the original project when you started making it? Yeah, I guess there were a lot of different things going on. One of the things, just to follow on what, from what Tom was saying there about um, how, you know, seven years pass and things change, I guess the, the mindset of, you know, um, Tom as someone who wanted to birth a project into the world and also society, there was a lot less kind of um, focus on meditation and mindfulness at that time, seven years ago. Of course there was, and there's early adopters and all that kind of thing, but it's, it's also more prominent now and it's sitting into a different kind of world context. Mm. I think that this bringing together of the role that, that meditation and mindfulness play in evolving through crisis is like it's a much bigger more in our face issue now so the fact that we were able to link that more closely which i don't think necessarily was part of that original vision mm -hmm. um it was sh yeah sh i mean sh would you agree tom yeah absolutely 100 percent. yeah it's much more of a macro perspective of like okay we're really at a fork in the road now we didn't have that perspective when we were it was like you know meditation can help you through very challenging situations like it did for me and like it did for the stories that we wanted to showcase but now it's like collectively as a species we're at that fork in the road now and mm. that crisis is on our doorstep yes and this is what's so interesting about this book and film and i just want to give listeners context for it is i guess for 
for a few years now and it's been gaining more traction and more attention. You know, there's lots of talk about the benefits of meditation and mindfulness for the individual and our stress levels and our productivity, um, you know, and just our general well-being. But the message that you guys are giving through the individualized stories that you're telling through the film and through the book is that meditation can potentially serve us on a global level and save the world. So meditation is the device that enables a shift in consciousness. And uh, we've got to make sure that we understand that it's not meditation that will or won't save the world. It's our state of mind that will okay. or won't save the world. And mm. what meditation allows us to do is to transcend the programmed uh, neural pathways, the patterns, the systems inside our minds that are causing the systems in the outer world that are causing the problems. Mm. And when we transcend those indoctrinations in our mind and access a field of knowledge, a field of knowingness and a field of consciousness that's not in that recurring loop of program data, then we start to operate from a very different way of thinking. We start to see the world in a very different light. And that's what I saw always as the impetus for change was to get people to meditate, to get people to transcend so that they could access a different level of awareness and start to function and make different decisions and think differently and see the world in a different light. Okay. I guess it's like sort of um, in a certain way, having a clean slate, which I think yeah. is one of the things that I, you know, I, like I make the parallel of, of how important this is right now, that we really, really need to make fundamental system changes some of which it's hard to even comprehend because there's just such a level of newness and innovation required to, to get us across the line that it's an amazing tool to bring us back to like being able to start from a hundred percent fresh place and not, and not just default to everything that we've already known before. So on an individual level and whether that's dealing with our own levels of stress or past experiences that, you know, have left scars, et cetera, or whether it's like leaning into the future and innovation and new ideas for, for yourself or, you know, however that impacts the people that you're connected with and then the, in a wider sphere, like it's just it, meditate. It's so multifaceted. Meditation's just kind of like reaching into all of these places and, and has potential for, for, for growth and, and renovation. So like, it, it's really exciting. It's really exciting <laughs> and essential. God, um, can, can I say something else just that I wanted to yeah. add about what we were talking about before with the trajectory of the documentary um, and, and how that's evolved? I guess what, what it came down to is being adaptable, you know, and, and being able to, to follow that flow of what's right and what's relevant. And as challenging as that has sometimes been for, you know, both Tom and I individually and, and kind of professionally to just keep navigating that space and just to be able to keep holding the bigger vision and flowing through all the challenges along the way. I think it's the, the kind of cool thing is, I mean, we've both grown personally from that experience, but there's so much synergy between what's been going on behind the scenes to get a film made that's about the evolution of consciousness and sort of and the stories that unfold in the film about the evolution of the individual consciousness and then the role that that can play once it's out in the world so I think it's kind of like very rich and deep about ad adaptability and um and evolution through crisis 
What, what are your personal stories that have led you to the point of sitting down and, and, and having to put together something like this to share with such a large audience? Maybe Tom, you start, I mean, I know, I know that you are a Vedic meditation practitioner, um, but how did you get to that point? What led you there? Yeah. I, what inspired this film was my own, it's in Sanskrit, it's called a Rashi, which is a, um, <clears throat> it's a defining moment in the process of evolution that makes the current trajectory impossible to continue on. And at that point, what you arrive at is a fork in the road where there's either a breakthrough or a breakdown. So I arrived at my Rashi <clears throat> at the age of 29, which was where after a period of time of living a fairly unsustainable life path, you know, as a broker on a hectic trading room floor and I was doing lots of drugs and lots of raving, lots of nightclubs. And, um, you know, I was suffering from extreme anxiety, panic attacks, depression, insomnia. Eventually it was so dark. You know, I really was questioning whether I had enough compulsion to even go on with life. You know, it was just so, such a really a, a lackluster experience of living that I just didn't really feel like there was any merit wanting to go on. There was no real light at the end of the tunnel. And that's when I discovered meditation. I mean, it, there was a more in the process of going to doctors and pharmaceutical drugs and psychiatrists and all the traditional route that you'd normally take. But there was a deep knowingness. I look back now in my soul that knew that there was something else calling me. And that's when meditation was appeared in, uh, you know, in my life. And it was really quite significant and really, really transformational very, very quickly. Mm. And then at that point, I mean, it made such a big impact on you. At what point do you take that transformation within yourself and decide that you want to share it with other people? It's quite a long process, you know, for me particularly. And, you know, I, I do a lot of coaching with people who are in that sort of space of wanting to share their message with the world. And the sequence normally is seeker, find a sharer. <clears throat> so you start off as a seeker, you're in a dark room, you're looking for the light switch and you're fumbling around, fumbling around, trying to find where's the light. And eventually you will find some form of light, you'll find whatever your solution is, whether it's yoga or qigong or ayahuasca or meditation. But from the seeking, we tend to find. And the natural progression, which takes some time after stabilizing the experience of finding it and experiencing it and living it and truly embodying it, and it's like, holy heck, this is so powerful. I want to share this with the world. So we go yeah. from seeker to finder to sharer. And then we start going, oh gosh, I, you know, dinner parties, you know, family dinners functions at work you just kind of don't want to do anything else but talk about it or share it and it becomes almost obsessive and that's the point where you start to have to form structures around the sharing process which is mm. why don't you become a meditation teacher why don't you become an author why don't you become a filmmaker why don't you become a retreat host find a medium or create a container that allows you to share what it is you want to share in if you want to share water with someone you have to create a container to pass that water on to someone yeah yeah, that's a really good analogy. So it took me a while. You know, I was a broker for 16 more years after learning to meditate. So okay. I'm, I'm pretty stubborn. Yeah. I'm a typical Scorpio stubborn person. <laughs> oh, it takes a long time to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> so the interesting thing that you, you're not always bringing up, Tom, is the evolution of your career, though, sure. in that time. Do you know what I mean? Even yeah. your, the approach that you took to your work and stuff. So I think that this idea of, like, you, you can take a different approach to things, even if it's the same thing, but you're bringing yeah. a different mindset to it. Yeah. Because I think that's more realistic, right? Like sure. we, would uh, we would love people to go and learn meditation and then be able to bring it back into the structure of their lives that already exists. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. exactly what it was for me. You know, like, uh, you know, I integrated a new way of doing things as a broker, you know, for 16 years, you know, rather than taking clients out and lining them up with cocaine, it was like, why don't I take them on a surfing retreat in Byron? 
Yeah. I don't take them to yoga class. I took their, them and their wives to the ballet at the opera house. Mm. You know, it was about really bringing a whole different approach. To, and it wasn't like I was suddenly this pure, beautiful monk type broker, you know, it was still traces of the industry sort of affecting me for many years to come and still to this day probably has some influence when you're in that industry for 26 years, it kind of mm. embeds itself quite deeply in you. Um, but yeah, you know, you definitely, like Jess says, you need, you're evolving day by day. All of us are, and it doesn't mean you have to go off to Tibet to do that. You know, it's about integration of that on a daily basis. Yeah. Beautiful. All right, Jackie, how about you? I mean, before you met Tom on the film, did you have some sort of practice or experience in the world of meditation or was it all kind of new and uh, yeah, I've always had a few different practices going on. Um, sometimes informal, I'm a bit of a uh, human guinea pig kind of a person. So, uh, and I tend to like have a very long standing kind of leaning towards high performance and, and like optimizing myself and health and nutrition and that kind of stuff. So like, I, which is like basically from my childhood, I was brought up that way I yeah I was brought up in a pretty kind of conscious green living kind of a household with a certain kind of eating patterns and and that kind of stuff which I've uh, maintained and so and my meditation practices have become more formalized in recent years and I guess I was just playing with different ideas of of mindset training before that um although like I did yeah, it's, it's, it's funny. I kind of like look back at my life and realize certain things that had happened. And I had some health stuff going on when I was in my twenties due to kind of over dramatizing of situations that I was a bit caught in that loop and, and became quite sick, but I ended up healing that myself without even realizing it through mindfulness and meditation techniques. I just kind of like locked myself away for a couple of weeks and just solved the problem by just <laughs> sorting out the drama and everything. But yeah. I did, it took me years to even realize that that's what had happened. Cause I hadn't really talked to people about meditation, you know, all that much, although I was somewhat exposed to it through my mom and her friends and, and that kind of thing. But I, I guess so, yeah, my, my trajectory, I mean, it's a little bit, it's mixed in kind of like different creative fields and music and film um, with a leaning towards joining teams who are doing something that's outside of the box and trying to innovate in the field. So, uh, but, and, and so I did, I've enjoyed all the projects that I've worked on and the teams that I've worked on. But if I think about what's important to me, it's uh, creating meaningful kind of media. And I guess as a, a child, I, I was, I was around, surrounded by a lot of people who were watching a lot, consuming a lot of TV and not at the lowest end of the spectrum either. You know, it could be quite a lot, but it felt, I also just sort of noticed a lack of ambition and linked to this over consuming and, or, mm. and consuming of certain types of materials. And I think it just, I kind of, as a reaction to that, just from when I was quite small, like moved away from consuming a lot and and then I guess had it in the back of my mind which only recently you know came to the forefront consciously in the last few years but th I think that's why it was so important to me to start trying to contribute to creating something that was going to have a different kind of impact and things that could help revolutionize people from you know from the inside out and use use media as a transformational tool 
Yeah. And it, I mean, it is such a transformational tool, isn't it? Like you think about some of the practices that have come through um, sharing it. I, I mean, books are one thing, but I think books, and as a writer, this is hard for me to say, but I think, <laughs> I think they don't translate as well to a mass market than say sitting down and watching a film or a documentary. You know, you think of um, inconvenient truth and the impact it made on climate change and, you know, even the secret, like it brought the concept of manifestation into the mainstream. It was something that people could start to really kind of integrate and understand, especially when celebrities are talking about it. But um, I guess with meditation, the portal is, is going to have this access to an audience that perhaps um, had thought of meditation uh, on a different level or on a different scale or, or didn't quite understand the impact that it could have outside of themselves and their own practice. Mm. I, th yeah. I think people do, depending on where they're coming at it from, might have some preconceptions in kind of like that exist on the whole level of the spectrum from maybe... Um, you know, loving it for certain kinds of benefits, but not seeing what it can do in other areas or, mm. or thinking that it's only for a certain type of people, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think that, you know, the film, we'd want it to be sort of an access point for people, but that not only just sort of exists on an intellectual level, but that people are kind of like imbibing that experience and starting to feel the benefits of, of what a practice might mean for you, you know, on the on the inside it's it's kind of built that way to be the experience of meditation more so the experience less so talking about it but yeah. learning through other people's experience and starting to just um, put those pieces together for yourself as you watch the film mm. so there's lots of different stories that you tell throughout the book and the film mm -hmm. um where where did where did you guys get all these people where did you find all these people <laughs> They're, they're very different walks of life with all very different types of stories. We yeah. had a super sleuth team, didn't we, Tom? Yeah, <laughs> we had a really good team of researchers, a phenomenally good team of researchers. Um, you know, there were a number of parameters that we, we had in the search. You know, it wasn't just random that those were the stories that we chose. And when we, mm. in, we interviewed about 300 different stories. Yeah, wow. Um, so, you know, we were looking for stories that had crisis. We were looking for stories that had meditation in the healing of that crisis. And we're looking for stories that had a sort of a global sort of message to them or global sort of resonance, you know, like a Vietnamese refugee or a mm. US soldier or, a, you know, a Jewish rabbi or, um, you know, American track. So it's something that is kind of global, but also personal in the story in the background of their story that enabled people to be able to resonate with that story. So what we wanted to show really was that, you know, we could show how a meditating monk in Tibet can have an amazing experience through meditation, but what is it like for someone who was grew up in the ghetto that was, you know, mum was using drugs that had no food on their table or someone that, you know, was abused as a child. And are you able to transform as well using meditation? Cause then it allows everyone else to be able to connect with that story. Mm. And it doesn't exclude anyone. Hopefully, you know, it is inclusive of us all to say, look, you too can have this experience regardless of your background. It's not about what your background is. It's about where you want to go. And what's the potential for alchemy? What's your crisis? And the same for humanity on a macro level. It doesn't matter where we've been or what we've been through or what we've done. Where do we want to go? And have, have you got the willingness to perform your own crisis and your own alchemy and, and get to that next level? 
Yeah, it's, it's amazing. I mean, what I found when I was reading the book was that, I mean, those stories were so beautiful and, and there was crisis through all of them. And I guess that was the point of it. It was like the transformation after crisis. But for me, what kind of resonated was the fact that these meditation practices that were introduced to them came after came after the crisis, right? Yeah, as, right. as their next, there's next stage, but we can catch ourselves long before we burn out at work and long before, you know, we've been through, you know, uh, traumatic, traumatic experiences and we're dealing with PTSD. Like we can actually catch ourselves super early on an individual scale, but also on a, yeah. on a, yeah. on a global scale. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember a, a wonderful talk by a teacher of mine that, um, he really went into a very deep understanding about the difference between Kriya and Karma. And karma is the, the effect of, of an action. Okay. And that's going to be a good karma or a negative karma that's going to come as a result. But Kriya is that period of time prior to the cause and effect situation, that window of time that allows you to preempt before the scenario and make a decision based upon the understanding about what may happen. And that's what we're in now. We're in Kriya collectively mm -hmm. as a species. And it's like, okay, we've got enough information to know at this point, our next actions are going to determine which way we go in that fork. And uh, we get to make that decision before we get to the, the crazy part. We're almost kind of there. It's getting a bit crazy. Yeah, I guess it's like yeah. how um, the get, getting used to detecting a more subtle level of cue. Yeah. yeah. So like how in your face does it need to be before you like, oh, I think there's a problem here that I really actually need to address. So to start noticing the signs, you know, in your life, in your body, around you things kind of you know whatever's manifesting around you and start identifying it sooner because you're tuned into a subtler level yeah and what about i mean we look at the we look at the world now and depending on what lens you look at it through where we are in crisis whether it's environmentally or government or you know whatever's going on and i guess people can feel very uh uh um out of control or, or, or feel like they don't, they don't actually get a say in the impacts that are taking place around them and the way that the world is, you know, progressing outside of what they're capable of changing or fixing or whatever it might be. What, what would you say, how would you speak to that in terms of the role that meditation could play from an individualized perspective, the impact that it could have on what's actually happening, happening to us on the global scale? It's a great question. You know, there's a lot of criticism that can come um, towards meditators as being, you know, passive and not playing a part and just putting mm. your head in the sand. And I get that. Um, I come from the perspective that you can't solve the problem with the same level of thinking that created the problem. Mm. So first and foremost, before we go into action, there's a wonderful Sanskrit phrase, yoga star kuru kamani, which means established in being, perform action, established in the body of wisdom, established in knowingness, then go into action. Um, and we don't want to dismiss action, you know, chop wood, meditate, chop wood is a wonderful Buddhist saying, well, we need to continue to be proactive, but do it from a state of consciousness and interconnectivity that allows your action to flow from the sense and an experience that you're actually connected, not just to other humans, but to nature itself. And that there's not a separation and where we've been going from is a place of distinct separation and duality which is me and other. And what you're going to start noticing a lot more in language day to day, and we've even got a conference in San, not we, but there's a conference in 
I think it's Sebastopol, called Science and Non-Duality. Is that Sebastopol, Jack, north of San Fran? Um, it's up around that area. But, you know, yeah. we've got a conference about non-duality. So non-duality is a sense of oneness. And so mm. first we must incorporate that. This is the one thing that's missing. As Julia Mosbridge says in, in the trailer and in the film, you know, um, most people don't know that their inner world exists. And that inner world is the same inner world that's the inner world of your inner world. And that's where unity starts to prevail. And so that's the starting point. That, that to me is the key. If, if we're going to create change, we need to start waking up and realizing, self-realize, realize self, the sensual nature. Um, from there, everything starts to change in the way you think about the world, the way you act in the world. Yeah. I'd, I'd say too that what you're talking about, Jordana, with, you know, I guess people are kind of, there's, there's so much to take in in personal lives and in, you know, the world at large and that sense of confusion and overwhelm, not even knowing where to start, barely being able to like keep up with your own personal stuff yeah. half the time, you know? So, but if we're, if we're all caught up in a kind of crazy loop, we're just going to keep perpetuating that. So like that sort of, how do we regroup? How do we start making sense of some of these pieces? And when we're also going to, we're never going to be able to understand everything that's going on, all of those factors, but starting to, we, this is what we tried to do with the film, not in a super, super heavy way, but plant a few seeds about some of the stuff, some of the factors that underlie what's going on in the world at the moment. So to help start, to um, help people start making sense of it. I mean, some of those things that Daniel Schmachtenberger talks about, for example, um, they were new to me. They were kind of new to Tom to, to not that so much new, but to look at it in that frame connected to this other piece, you're like, Oh, right. Okay. That makes sense. So you sort of start to gently understand the world at large a little bit more and, and your role in it. And that us feeling good and calm and I, and trying to regain like some sense of ability to, to cope. I think that's really, really important. And so just taking action from a frenzied place and a chaos uh, confusion place isn't really going to serve anybody particularly mm. at the moment we're just going to like keep making the same kind of short-term decisions that we, that we've been making you know collectively um, but if if like sort of one person at a time we just start to understand okay that there's a there's a bigger picture here I'm one piece in the puzzle the things that I do actually do have a flow-on effect uh, and and you know and focus on your little piece first, you know, and so that that ripple is a, is a positive ripple. And as every day goes by, it's kind of calmer and more informed mm. and like bit by bit, we're kind of going to get there, you know. I'll yeah. just finish with a quote from Thich Nhat Hanh <laughs> that I actually posted yesterday to um, my coaching group. We need mm. enlightenment. We need enlightenment, not just individually, but collectively to save the planet. We need to awaken ourselves. We need to practice, practice mindfulness if we want to have a future and if we want to save ourselves and the planet. And, uh, you know, I think that kind of sums it up quite nicely. Yeah. yeah. And I, I love this idea of a ripple effect because I think, you know, if you start within your inner circle and it ripples out to their inner circle and then you get to the outer circle and then you invite someone to see a movie or read this book I've read. And before you know it, yeah, it's this beautiful ripple. I love that. I love that analogy because it's, it's something 
that that can really resonate with people because just doing that one tiny thing for yourself can impact can impact the energy of everyone around you. Hmm. It's beautiful. All right, so let's talk about um, the book and the film. The book is out now. It's available in all bookstores, what in Australia and New Zealand, UK, UK. Uh, it's definitely in bookstores in Australia. I think I th- it comes into UK now in September. I think so. Yeah, it's yeah. It's in bookstores in Germany. Um, language speak, German language speaking countries, Austria, Ooh. Switzerland, Germany. Um, it comes into bookstores in America, I think not until the new year, but it's definitely available online as of pretty much now, I think everywhere in the world. Awesome. Amazing. And the, and when will the film start hitting cinemas? We've got our national release uh, in most states at the moment. So most capital cities from the 17th of October. Uh, yeah. In the week ahead of that, we've got, a Q&A screening in most of the cities. So people can check out our Facebook group, which is at Enter the Portal Now and the website, the, all the details are on the website, Enter the Portal, Enter the portal. So, okay. which we've pretty much got those up to date. Uh, yeah, so if anyone's interested in coming, catching us at a Q&A screening, it'd be that week ahead of the 14th, uh, the 17th and then in cinemas from the 17th. We've got, that's October, the US starts from the 1st of November, so we'll be there for a few weeks. And, uh, yeah, we're just trying to, get, trying to get the word out and for people to share it, you know. Yeah. Um, I, think it's, it, I think it's kind of, it takes people by surprise. I think they're kind of expecting it to be about meditation. It's a certain kind of a thing, but it's not really that thing. It's, it's quite a tapestry. Amazing. How, how did you get yourselves into the US market? That is, that is such a big deal. Congratulations. Uh, <laughs> Tom's a hustler. Oh, look, you know, it's when, when you make something with an intention to, you know, really make an impact. I mean, you, mm. you just, you, you just, you're like a dog with a bone. You, know? you just keep sort of going down whatever pathways you have to do to to get that. And, and I just want to convey just to your, to listeners, the wonderful people listening now that, you know, this is not just, Hey, we've made a movie. You hope you watch it. It's like, you know, you, the audience are part of this process and mm. we invite you with us collectively um, to join this sort of shift that this film is just a part of, you know, it's, it's just, it's just a part of a, a big sort of movement of, of sweeping change. And, you know, if you feel compelled, share it, you know, inspire it to, and share it with others and, um, and join us and share with us where you're going with things, you know, reach out to us and share your stories. And um, this is part of a, a collective rather than an individual sort of egoic thing for us. Yeah. Beautiful. I love, I love this new wave towards the conscious collective. It like seems to be happening, happening a lot more. Like we all used to focus on doing our yoga and doing our meditation, but now it's like, hang on, let's do it all together. Like let's, let's rise the vibrations of the room of the city of the country of the world. It's great. I love it. Um, I will put all of the links for everything in the show notes of this episode so people can find you very easily. Thank you both for joining me. It has been such a treat and lovely to have you on. Um, And I have, well, I've almost read, I'm almost at the end of the portal, but it is, it's a great read. And it's, um, I think, I think, like I said before, the, the individual stories being woven in there, give people something to connect to. And that's just, that's what really is, made the impact for me so again thank you for that pleasure it's great to be on the show thanks for inviting us
way to get started with meditation, I highly recommend becoming a Lunar Lover member. Every month you will receive a guided meditation that is in line with the energy of the current moon. You'll also get a bunch of journal prompts, you'll get some email reminders of when the moon changes phase, all eight phases we go through, um, and you also get access to my online moon circles. If you want to become a Lunar Lover member, just click the link in the show notes or head to jordanalevine.com forward slash. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 